Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. My name is Anouk Bosma. I'm a technical advisor on MHPSS for the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. You are listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross and Red Crescent movement, working with mental health and psychosocial support services, which we'll also refer to as MHPSS in this podcast. In this episode, I will talk to Alex Zimwa, IFRC Regional MHPSS Delegate for the African Region, about his extensive personal experience working on the topic of MHPSS in the movement, and his view on the importance and need of MHPSS, especially in Africa. Alex, so nice of you to be here with us today. Like many in the movement, you started as a volunteer with your national society, the Ugandan Red Cross Society, after which you were deployed to several international emergency responses, both in the African and Asia-Pacific regions. Can you tell our audience a bit about this personal experience and your career path, first of all? Thank you very much, Anouk. Uh, I'm happy to be part of this podcast. Um, yeah, as every young person in, in the life, you are trying to, to see how better you can serve community, you can support other people. So in my early years, I was interested to, to, to join the Red Cross uh, as a volunteer uh, in my secondary school, uh, working with the youth programs, going for camps, um, yeah, talking about life skills in school, teaching others on first aid, first aid skills and other activities. So that was a very good starting point for me to grow into the Red Cross as a younger volunteer. And then I moved on into the National Society also working mainly on, on youth work, um, organizing young people, teaching them uh, some basic skills in leadership, uh, in life skills, uh, on, on productive health and other topics that are very crucial. We are doing a lot of things. We are doing camps, uh, going out and sleeping in the, in the bushes and in the tents and literally li- li- mobilizing young people and working together in, in the Red Cross, which later on motivated me to uh, get on other tasks. As you know, in Uganda also there were quite a number of other issues. We had the, the war in northern Uganda, so I was involved in a lot in that, trying to support uh, the, those children and, and, and the youth who are returning from abduction at that time and reintegrating them in society. So that's when actually even the concept of psychosocial support was growing uh, into, into our work. And that's how I built into that. Uh, there was also other things in national society, but also in the, in the country, for example, example, the outbreak of epidemics, for example, Ebola at that time came in and others. So we are involved in trying to support communities in awareness raising in how to cope with these challenges of the epidemics. So that's how I evolved in. And later on, I was asked to go and support um, in Western Africa, especially in Liberia, when there was outbreak of Ebola in 2014. So I went there as an initial as a, a delegate for a short period of time, but later on it increased with the time and spent up about two and a half years there. So it has been growing like that. And then I moved from there and went to Sierra Leone also to support the National Society with a mudslide response. And then in, in 2018, I moved into Bangladesh to support the Cox's Bazaar response with the refugee operation. So it has been a journey that I have been moving, but very, very rewarding for me also. And now I'm here in the Africa region as a regional MHPSS delegate uh, supporting national societies with COVID-19 response. So that's how it's been the journey. 
It is quite a journey, Alex. Uh, you've you've been uh, clearly have a lot of experience in the movement, and especially on MHPSS. And maybe what I haven't asked you yet, uh, what would be interesting for the audience to know as well. What what is your background before you became a volunteer with Ugandan Red Cross? My first training was a, as a teacher, working with especially with the with the young children in school. Um, so I was I have a teaching background. Uh, which are a lot of I've used a lot of it to really work also in the Red Cross. Uh, but later on, I also uh, uh, developed other um, other skills. I I got other qualifications, especially in social work, and uh, now also to get out of training and working with mental health and psychosocial support, uh, especially in the Red Cross Red Cross movement. Especially uh, be trained through the uh, the IFRC uh, Psychosocial Support Reference Center, where I have had a lot of training into into the MHPS and the psychosocial support element. That's what I have really used to, to, to do the works I'm now doing to support other national societies. Nice. So you don't necessarily need to be a psychologist or psychiatrist to work. No, on I had psychology as part of one unit, course units I was studying, but not a, a fledged psychologist by training, no. Right. And and here you are as a regional MHPSS delegate uh, advising others on this important topic. Um, yes, yes, it's quite uh, interesting to see how we can evolve into these skill areas and use them uh, to to work with and support other people in the need of these services. Very nice. And the, the past year, you you've touched upon it already a little bit with the, the Ebola epidemics that you responded to. But obviously, the past year, a global main topic of discussion and of concern has been the the COVID nineteen pandemic and the response to it. Um, can you tell us a bit about your experiences, both with Ebola viral disease and COVID-19 responses? Was MHPSS a topic of importance in those responses? And did that change throughout these responses? It's very interesting to see how uh, the, the epidemic outbreaks have actually increased the global focus on mental health and psychosocial support. Uh, I think given the nature of how they impact on the population, for example, the Ebola and the Ebola response, the Ebola outbreak, first even in Uganda, in other countries, the fear it creates in the population, you know, the stigma uh, this epidemic creates in the population the, the discrimination of the people who are affected, the, the, the health workers, the volunteers who are frontline responders, and how they are in the initial stages, how they experience the stigma in the community because people, of course, did not know what it meant to, to get close to such people, the infectious nature of, this, of these diseases. It, so, so there was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of community rejection at some point in the communities and the social cohesion was really breaking down because people don't go to each other, people fear each other, people don't come together to share experiences and learn from one another. So that was the initial time of the Ebola outbreak and it needed a lot of focus on helping communities and the families really recognize the importance of supporting one another in such a difficult time. So MHPS was crucial to have that entry point for even other responders. So we are training volunteers, for example, on how they would go and reach out to the families affected, talk to them and organize them and help them, for example, receive people who have been discharged from hospitals without stigmatizing them, without um, uh, discriminating them. So that, that's what was necessary before people go back and how they will be helped once they are in back in their families. 
So we could see the same sort of elements coming up when COVID, uh, the COVID-19 outbreak broke out also last, last year. Similar elements, similar feelings of extreme fear, people being anxious, pe- being not knowing exactly what to do, how they are going to, uh, to support, to, to live within this kind of challenge. And then, of course, came with the, with the elements that, uh, for example, the preventive measures, and one of them is social distancing. And we know that people can only interact and support one another. So if you say, okay, move away from one another, what does it mean? Isolation. So what does it mean? They miss out on critical information. The fear increases. The stigma, self-stigma can also come in. So they are limited ways to support one another as as an element of care during our outbreaks. So you see the similarity in these two outbreaks. So we have been using the experiences from the Ebola response to try to see how national societies that have gone through this experience can borrow on those practices they had that time to now work on the outbreak of COVID. And I think it's quite, it's working out well. Okay, for example, using community leaders as an entry point to to do awareness on the community, to to physical distance, for example, to reach out to one another who have been locked down, you know, to care for the children and the youth and other uh, communities uh, wherever they, they are. So this is one way of using the past experiences to address the challenge that has come now that we are experiencing right now. So I see there is a lot of similarity there. Nice. And and what I especially take from that, uh, what you're just sharing, you mentioned the word community quite a lot. Uh, And I think people think quite automatically when they think of mental health and psychosocial support, they they often jump to thinking, oh, that's that's counseling, that's individual counseling. Um, But you use the word mobilizing communities uh, uh, quite a lot in your explanation. And we both know that uh, IFRC really supports a community-based approach to mental health and psychosocial support. Can you explain a little bit more from your point of view why that is? Because we see it as the as the initial initial starting or the actions that are really necessary to have in every area to engage the people who have been affected by this adversity to to try to empower them to increase their sense of control to be able to manage the challenge. So we have to approach it from the community-based perspective. We are trying to increase their energy to recognize a crisis not only as a danger that will take away their ability to function or to manage this problem, but to use it to collect their efforts and energy to work together. So it has a preventive approach. So if communities are mobilized, they are empowered, they are trained, they are given basic skills to, to manage a difficulty, they reduce the likely scale-up or the severity of the challenge that might, might come on later. So we want to use the a community-based approach because, first of all, it also reaches many people. There are many people who have been who will be reached and supported through a community-based mobilization approach. Then, if you do that, you are minimizing the risks of people growing into possibly a severe or a more serious situation if they didn't do it. So, in our view, we think that the approach is so crucial 
to reducing the possibility of uh, this, uh, increasing the severity of uh, developing into mental, for example, mental illnesses or severe mental health conditions that might might crop up. That's why we think that this is so important to, to have uh, in the first place. Great. So you're saying that the psychosocial support that comes from uh, the building, uh, the, the reactivation of a community in that sense, really works as a buffer uh, and a preventative buffer for more serious problems to develop. That's what I hear you say. Is that correct? That, that's that's how we see it. That's how we see it. And we are really, and our efforts we are trying to, to, to do that, to try to to focus on that, build the basic simple capacity at community level, train volunteers uh, in basic skills, for example, what we call psychological first aid skills for all, to try to have all people with these basic skills to listen to one another, to support and comfort one another, to be able to understand what are the concerns of the people in the home or in the family, and how they can help each other at this sort of level, and also to be able to find out those people who might be having um, extreme or what we would call a strange behavior that they may not be aware of, and see who they can refer this kind of person for further for further help. So once the community has these basic skills, it is then able to 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 minimize to minimize the risks that might come across. If you remember sometime last year, there was uh, there were reports about children who were chained in homes. There are reports that came out, I think, some some last year, about so last right. year. Children chained in homes, meaning the communities, the families in these communities did not know very well that why these children are behaving the way they are behaving and how they can be supported more. So they were they were hiding them in homes. You are chaining them, not exposing them to access, for example, better support. So if you empower them with knowledge on the, 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 what these conditions mean in, in a family setting, then they are able to help their children and they use to access a better service. So that would be a very, very interesting way of working with the families and communities, I believe. Exactly. And as you, you rightfully referred to this as a, as a problem in the African region, but we see this in other regions as well uh, for children and adults that a lot of people with mental health issues are uh, because of lack of access to mental health services. They are their families see themselves forced in a way to, to chain uh, their beloved family members because they just don't know what to do. And you rightfully mentioned psychoeducation is a crucial element um, and also helping them access care, hopefully. Um, and increasing their psychosocial support. One more question uh, before I move to other topics uh, concerning the COVID outbreak. You just mentioned the word social distancing. And, and I foresee we've tried to advocate for the uses of the word physical distancing because of this uh, barrier it creates to social, psychosocial support. I mean, we might be physically distant, but psychosocially close, as we'd like to say sometimes. How did you manage to support national societies in that sense? Um, and how could they still do their best to increase psychosocial support, even though physical distancing measures were in place in most countries, if not all countries? It's a, it's a, it's a challenge generally to say, because we have been used to a different approach in supporting one another, a different approach in training, mobilizing and training staff and the volunteers in national societies, bring them together and interacting and sharing experiences face to face. That has been the traditional way 
of of supporting people uh but now with this uh, sort of this uh, limitations to that then we have to adapt to other different ways working online um talking to people on the phone um uh, calling one another or organizing for example online trainings for 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 staff um in national society uh, having individual interactions online one on one uh, to to really to really go deeper into understanding uh, the, the 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 skill gaps that someone might have, and uh, also asking you questions on a more personal to personal level on how they can manage through the difficulties they are they are, they are having. This is more of the approach currently working. In the national societies, we also encourage them to do the same. There are a lot of limitations for that. Internet is one of them. Accessibility is one of them. But they are trying uh, their best, maybe having smaller groups coming together and having an interaction with them. So, so, so we are we are using different ways, really different approaches uh, to support as much as, as as we can. In the here in the regional office, what we are doing is really to see that we focus on the national society focal points as an entry to the national society. So a number of national societies, over 40 national societies currently in our region have very active uh, staff that are, are working with mental health and psychosocial support. So we engage on a monthly basis, for example, on what we call a community of practice or peer-to-peer -peer support coming together, discussing a particular topic, let's say on, on how to do psychological first aid, on how to do monitoring, on how to supervise volunteers at community level. So these are simple topics we do uh, when we come together. In National Society will come and present the experiences. Others will come and join in and share their own experiences. We support with some technical uh, advice and tools that are available in that particular uh, topic. So these are basic ways I think that are helping uh, our, our national societies to work more closely and improve the quality of their, of their work. Uh, at a national society level. Great. Those are really great and practical examples that I'm, I'm sure people will uh, yeah, be very interested to hear. Um, can I ask you, wh why do you think it is important for the Red Cross at Crescent movement to focus more on MHPSS, especially in the African region? Are we doing enough or should we do more and why? We are doing our best. We can do more. We can do more. The needs are increasing, especially in the Africa region. There are multiple factors that increase uh, the risks to the psychosocial well-being of people uh, in this region. Natural disasters, for example, as we speak now in DR Congo, there's an ongoing, an ongoing volcanic eruption. Many many families have been displaced. Uh, you know, uh, there are other places have conflicts. For example, as we hear them, the epidemic COVID is still raging us. We have we have the poverty and people are not working. They're out of job. So families are really struggling to meet the ends. Schools have been closed. Some children are, are home. Others are going back. Some generations are, are, are changing. The children are growing into youth, youth into adults. And though the support system, the support systems to have all these groups of people move well together, you know, are being affected by this sort of crisis. So the need for us to look at mental health and psychosocial support as one of those actions that we can employ to try to support people affected is critical. 
is very critical. So we'd like to do that. We'd like to focus more on that. We'd like to mobilize others, the communities, the government. We would like to mobilize uh, community leaders. We want to mobilize the religious leaders to look at supporting people uh, more at community level as a, cru- a crucial part of our work. We would like to, to, to mobilize the donor community to look at uh, MHPSS as one of those basic actions that actually have impact at community level that we, we, we need to, 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 to increasingly focus on. So, so for us, we see that mental health and psychological support is still a very crucial element of the supports we are providing to people and it should be it should be really 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 increased it should be focused on more there are tools that we can we can add on as as red cross and red crest movement we have come up with some tools to use we have recently in 2019 the council of delegates in geneva approved a resolution and a policy on mental health and psychosocial support uh, and and the roadmap to like to increase the awareness the advocacy on the need to have mental health on the table on the discussion table of everyone so for, for me, I, I feel that every national society and all the movement components need to look at mental health and psychosocial support as one of those critical uh, services we really need to focus on as you move along. Great. And you mentioned the MHPSS policy and resolution from 2019 that the first joint movement policy, actually a very historical uh, moment that for the first time ICRC, IFRC and all national societies and member states actually agreed that mental health and psychosocial support is a top priority in emergencies, but also in the day-to-day context of of the national societies, also uh, in non-emergency settings. And why is the Red Cross, Red Crescent movement specifically geared to do so, in your opinion? Why not another organization? What does the Red Cross, Red Crescent movement have that enables them to do MHPSS so well in their communities? The Red Cross and Red Crescent movement has the largest network of community volunteers. People who voluntarily give their literal time to support others in need. Thousands of volunteers are doing this work on a voluntary basis. This network is well mobilized. It's available and ready to support. They are the initial contact points that we can build on in the community to reach out to others in need. So for us, as we feel that the movement is should really build the capacity of these volunteers at community level to be able to reach the affected the homes of people affected to be able to to knock at the doors of someone who might have a challenge to bring the red cross and red crescent closer to the home and to the heart of the people affected because many people have been receiving a lot of support, material support, a lot of support, but the small talk, a small knock at someone's door to say, I am from the Red Cross. I'm here to find out how you are doing. How are you managing this challenge that you have been faced with? It's so important that it increases the energy of the person to cope. So we would like to focus on that structure to focus on that, to build, 
to reach out to many people as much as we can and be able to support uh, people in need of our services. And in your current role as the regional MHPSS delegate for Africa, how are national societies currently trying to strengthen their work in MHPSS? You mentioned a lot of things that they're already doing. Um, how are they currently trying to strengthen that? The interest is high. The interest is high, especially now uh, because of the COVID. The interest, the energy is high in many national societies. Every week we, we receive a lot of a lot of requests for support, especially technical support. People wanting to know more about the, the MHPSS support, people wanting to get tools to use in their own national societies. People need messages, people need uh, a lot of technical support, but they are doing a lot on their own. There are so many national societies actually that have rolled out, they're, they're doing quite very well. Some of them are taking leadership roles in their, in their countries as, as, as co-chairs of the mental health and psychosocial support clusters or working groups in their, in their national societies. Kenya Red Cross is an example of, that, of, those, of those national societies and many others. There are other national societies that have already established, for example, uh, psychosocial support core centers, core centers. These are avenues through which national societies reach out to the population people have they have toll free lines people call and 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 ask questions inquire and also tell their challenges and national society goes out and supports them so there are a lot of national society that are really doing their best others are doing community based works they are going out there in the community so in my view the need to focus on mhpss by national is really increasing as i said before 40 out of the 49 national societies in the region are already active with the, with the MHPSS work. So, and this number is increasing. So I see that we are on course with promoting mental health and sexual support. We need to do more. We need to advocate more and we need to work together more as a movement. Exactly. And I've, I've, I've witnessed myself that uh, since you joined the regional office 10 months ago, you've really tried to support the national societies to increase, strengthen and promote their MHPSS work. Can you give a few examples of how you try to do that, but also try to say what remains to be done to ensure that MHPSS remains part of the movement's work in the African region? We need to be less technical and be more operational. We need to demystify the concept of mental health and psychosocial support from the higher theoretical understanding to lower level community-based work. So this is the approach we are using. So our focal points are encouraged to look in that direction. So we mainly use basic approaches. We engage in short trainings on orientations. We bring ourselves together look at a necessary topic that is key to providing a service at community level. For example, let's look at psychological first aid as a skill area. We'll focus on that skill area, train ourselves on how to apply the psychological first aid skills to support people in need using basic, basic examples in each of these countries. So that our, our, our focal points use it immediately, immediately use it when they, when, they, when they go back to their national, because it's practical, it's applicable. In, in an easy way. We use psych education, for example, awareness and, and skills building for people and for volunteers. They apply.
apply it immediately. We create avenues through which people should come together. National societies should come together and to what we call peer-to-peer support. You know, so every month, for example, we created a, a forum where they come together, they meet and talk about issues and share experiences on a topical issue that both but all of them are working on. So in that way, they are sharing and learning from one another. Those who have done a lot of work on the same topic will give more examples for those who have not done much and they, they all will learn. We, it is very interesting how they are sharing now documents and the tools that they have been developing on their own on the platform, on the WhatsApp group, on the emails. They call each other and support one another. The energy is quite, is quite high, and this forum is strengthening that. The other thing we are using is having one-to-one talks creating a one-to-one talk. So, uh, I mean, we have, a, 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 we have for, for example, put together a Friday. A Friday is a day for us to talk to our, our colleagues in national societies. We schedule that one hour per, per national society, like we can have five national societies every Friday to talk on a more one-to-one, how they are managing, how are they going through this kind of works? What are the challenges and what tools are they using? How can they support uh, each other and how can we support them? So these are basic avenues that we are using uh, to try to empower our focal points in national societies for them to be able to do a good job ultimately in the communities that are faced with the challenges. Great. So on the one hand, if I can summarize what you just said, is in the communities, we apply a community-based approach to mental health and psychosocial support, and we try to tackle the stigma. And within the movement, in order for us to do so, we have to demystify the topic of MHBSS and create a community also amongst our own MHBSS staff and volunteers and sharing good practices and good experiences of doing how pragmatically or how practically we can actually apply mental health and psychosocial support within the movement's work, uh, including in the African region. Thank you so much, Alex. I think you're the most passionate advocate on this topic that I could have asked. So thank you so much for this very passionate plea for uh, an increase of MHPSS in the African region. I'm sure our listeners uh, will have learned a lot from your uh, experience. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for the support for everyone. Thank you for our national societies, also our focal points, our volunteers on ground that are doing this very recommendable job, you know, to reach out to the, especially people who are in need of our services. It's really, really critical for us to really look at it as a, an element of our work. I'm very grateful also to see the energy by our people. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. You've been listening to The Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross, Red Crescent movement staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this first episode, we have been talking to Alex Simwa, regional IFRC MHPSS delegate for the African region. You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Psychosocial Center website, pscenter.org. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, program materials, educational videos, and information about upcoming trainings. My name is Anouk Bosma, MHPSS Technical Advisor at the Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast.